Amen. Thank you. Hey, happy Easter. It's so good to be with you on this Easter Sunday morning in house and also online. Welcome to you. My name is Wade Giffen, one of the pastors here. So grateful to be with you and have the privilege of bringing um, an Easter message for us uh, today. Thankful for our music ministry, right? For uh, their leading us in the, in, the, uh, in the Easter celebration hymns that we enjoy so much. Thank you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of this day, the hope that it um, reminds us of in the message of an empty tomb. We pray now by the inspiration moving uh, of your Holy Spirit that maybe because of or even in spite of any words I might speak, your word would be spoken. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, do you all ever, any of you remember playing that game as a kid, Two Truths and a Lie? You remember that? I mean, I remember playing that when I was younger. Um, I never did a very good job at Two Truths and a Lie because I was a horrible liar when I was a kid. I mean, my face was always a giveaway. It's probably good that I'm a United Methodist and don't play poker. <laughs> you know, the game goes something like this. You turn to someone and you say, hey, two truths and a lie. And that person has to tell you three things. Two of which are true, and one that is a lie. And your job is to figure out which one is the lie. So, uh, you know. Um, Pastor Katie. Yes. Two truths and a lie. Okay. Um, I live in Westerville. I'm the youngest of three girls. I like Star Trek better than Star Wars. All right. So two of those were true, and one of those was a lie. One of those is a lie. You want to play? All right. So we're going to do them one at a time here. Uh -huh. And if you think that after she reminds us of what it was, if it's the lie, put your hand up. I have to right. remember what I just said. I have, well. <laughs> hey, Gene, can we run, rerun the tape no, real don't quick? I think the first thing you said is that you live in... I live in Westerville. You live in That's Westerville. The first one. Is that a lie or is that a, if it's a lie, put your hand up. Okay. What was the second one, Pastor Katie? Uh, well, I, I'm the youngest of three girls. She's the youngest of three girls. All right. Some people think you're lying on that front. All right. What's the third one? I like Star Trek better than Star Wars. Ooh. What do you all think? Katie, what were your two truths and one lie? Well, I'm the oldest of three girls. Ah, there it is. Obviously, Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. <laughs> and you can have a quarrel with her about that after the service. <laughs> so did you think when you got up this morning, you'd be in church playing two truths and a lie? I did because, well, you know, I was a little step or two ahead. Why would we do that today? Well, I couldn't help but think about that when I read the text from Luke that is appointed for Easter morning when I was preparing for the service. I noticed that in this version of the resurrection story where the women returned to where the disciples were after having been at the tomb which they found empty, that the men there met the, her with this feeling that it was just an idle tale. Code for lie. 
Have you ever found yourself trying to tell somebody the truth about something really important, yet unexpected, maybe a little hard to believe, and they just wouldn't believe you? The disciples thought it was a lie. Idle tale softens it in the text, but let's name it for what it is, that Jesus had risen. They just thought the women were making it all up. There are lots of things I hear in the world that I wish were just made up, that were an idle tale. I wish I could just wake up and the horrifying images from Ukraine was an idle tale. I don't know about you, but the images and the stories of this war are so crushing to my heart. Yeah, you know, I have, I'm really high on empathy. And, and, and so when I see those images, when I hear those stories, I just can't see what I see there. My heart takes me deeper to, a, to an exact location and imagine the experience. It's too much to bear. Wish that was an idle tale. So I was thinking uh, this morning when I got up about folks in Ukraine, um, are they a resilient gang or what, right? I bet you they're worshiping and having Easter celebrations today. Today in the midst of that horrible situation, they are counting on the truth that resurrection is a reality when, when you look around and you can't see anything but lifelessness, that it can come back to life. I wish it were an idle tale when I hear of people losing their jobs or struggling with a devastating situation they didn't deserve. I wish it was an idle tale when I hear stories of people fighting for their lives because of a diagnosis. I wish it were an idle tale when I hear about hatred, when I see racism. And I see evil acts in the world. I wish it was an idle tale. So the text tells us three women who came to the tomb that morning came with spices. Why spices? Well, it was for a practical purpose. You know, those spices they brought were for preparing a body after death. And, and really, I mean, let's just cut to the chase. Quite frankly, they were bringing them to overcome the smell of death. That's why spices. They must have hoped that it was all made up that Jesus had died. But of course, they would have wanted that to be an idle tale, but it, it wasn't. They expected that when they arrived, that Jesus' body would be there in the tomb. But instead, they saw two men there described as being in dazzling clothes, and, and they were terrified. But immediately, they were told that Jesus had risen. I mean, and they remembered he said that this would happen. But I bet there was this little lingering question in the back of their minds as to whether this was a truth or a lie. It was true. What Jesus told them in Galilee was this. He said, the Son of Man will be handed over to sinners, will be crucified, and the third day rise again. And it was true. What else to do but to run back and tell the rest of the gang what they had discovered and tell them the good news. Excited with the good news of Jesus' resurrection, they were met with, oh, it must just be an idle tale. They didn't believe them. Yeah, and they had heard Jesus when he said that in Galilee, too. 
But maybe they had this lingering doubt about if it was true. Wishful thinking. You know the line, maybe it's just too good to be help a brother out. True. And, and another text tells us they were hiding in fear when they went back. And they hear, when then they hear the story from the women, and in the game of two truths and a lie, they start with not believing them. And of course they would want it to be true. They, they wanted the hope they would experience if it were indeed true, but just not ready to bank on it at this point. When we are confronted with something that could offer us an unexpected hope or new life that seems too good to be true, or we wonder if it is an idle tale, is our reaction similar? When hope is right in front of us, do we worry that it just might not be true? An idle tale. Many of you have been traveling with us during the season of Lent up to this very day. And we've been in a series that we've been calling Cultivating and Letting Go. Where we have been exploring ways that through the journey of Lent, we could work on letting some things go in order to be able to cultivate something new. For example, one week we talked about letting go of perfectionism and cultivating self-compassion. Or, or, or one week, Pastor Katie, uh, we explored um, letting go of expectations so that we might ex cultivate the unexpected in it. Every week that, of that journey has required of us something. Trust in the God of new beginnings. Trust that there can be hope. Trust that something new could come in the face of something that feels dead in our lives. That new life could come from lifelessness. It's having the courage to believe that God possibilities even in the face and the fear of uncertainty. It is placing our trust in the truth discovered by the women that morning that the tomb was empty. That Jesus was risen and that new life is possible. And that's no idle tale. Of course it's no idle tale. Because the truth of that day got you out of bed and got you here this morning and got you online. The challenge, though, for us is to allow that truth to not just linger for the worship on Easter, but to become an integrated and in integral impact in our lives in such a way that we believe that new life can happen even when there seems to be no life. That indeed hope is a reality to believe the truth of an empty tomb and the good news of Jesus. So a week ago yesterday, Saturday, we had an Easter egg hunt here at Trinity. Uh, it was for children of the church and for our community. And uh, um, I, I, I asked Shelly, our director of family ministries, if the Easter bunny had left any empty eggs on the Easter, uh, on the, on the Easter egg hunt. And her reaction was, was expected and really funny. Because if you know Shelly, she loves our children so much, I don't think she could ever imagine disappointing a child with an empty egg. It's just not in her wiring. And I think she and the Easter money, Bunny made the absolute right choice, by the way. So that made me wonder about a practice, a parenting practice of mine, when my children were really little. Was it a good move or a bad move? Um, when they were really little, 
we used to have the Easter bunny leave a couple of empty eggs for the Easter egg hunt. And my reason was noble, although it didn't work out great. <laughs> if they picked up an egg that was empty, then it was a perfect opportunity for their daddy to give them an empty tomb lesson. What? <sighs> Sorry, Chris. Now, I finally realized that that level of childhood development, that children are such concrete thinkers, to think they could connect an empty Easter egg to an empty tomb, what was I thinking? And the result of that was, um, was somewhat disappointing because I began to see, and this is why I stopped this practice, I began to see that during the Easter egg hunt would begin, they would go with their basket and pick up every egg and first, what? Shake it. And if it was empty, they would just drop it. <laughs> oh, well, I tried. There might be something in, in your life that feels hopeless. Maybe there's something you just don't see the way forward. Sometimes we feel really discouraged and we won't even shake the egg because we are afraid that we'll be disappointed. Maybe even sometimes we employ or deploy our own version of spices so that we can cover up the stink of our disappointment or discouragement. We try running around shaking all kinds of eggs to overcome the lifeless parts of our existence. The egg of, of new, a new relationship, a gimmick of some kind, a new hairstyle, guilty, a fad diet, you name it. And we shake it and we place hopes in what might be inside and we might have the temptation to toss aside anyone we shake that feels empty. And maybe, just maybe, what we really need is what's inside the empty egg. But I wonder if this Easter has possibilities to unlearn the empty egg feeling my boys had. I was spying on you this morning when you came in. Y'all, when you breached into that basket and picked up an egg, what did you do to them? You were shaking them. I saw you do it. And I saw you throw it back and go for another one. <laughs> gotcha. I wonder if we could relearn that. And, 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 and if, if we pick up something that we hope has some possibility, give it a little shake and we, it feels empty, maybe you got to just grab that one. Grab the one that reminds us that God changed the course of history on Easter morning because the tomb was empty. What does that look like? Well, we have a perfect model of it in the text today. Pastor Katie, when I was working on this, I almost missed what Peter did. That's the punchline of the whole story. Peter, you know, the text tells us that Peter, when he heard what others heard as an idle tale, that he got up and ran to the tomb. Stooped down, looked in, saw linens by themselves. He went home amazed at what had happened. No truth or a lie for Peter. It was the truth. And what would it take for us to be like Peter? 
I mean, he often gets a bad rap. We make fun of his blunders that he makes while he's with Jesus. Why did he make so many blunders? Well, because he was pretty compulsive. He's one of those guys that we say uh, who uh, leaps before they look, right? A little backwards from what we're used to. But I think that's what makes him so faithful. When it comes to hopeful possibilities that may or may not seem possible that he sees in Jesus, he didn't care about blunders. He would take the risk of a blunder because of the potential of the God possibility that might just happen. Frankly, I think it was a, it was a virtue um, in him. It was a leap of faith, and leaps of faith are just that, a leap of faith. A leap towards something that just might be possible, just might be the truth. It's as if Peter ran to the tomb to shake it, and when he did so, it was empty and realized that the hopes and the dreams that he had placed in Jesus were revealed to be true. And for him and all of humanity, the world changed. Friends, today on Easter, we declare that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So y'all got an egg coming in today, right? Um, I want to give you this egg to take home as a reminder that as we shake the eggs of possibility in life, that if one sounds empty and you open it up, there's no trick inside. I know you already checked for it. You're hoping that something's going to be in that egg. There is something in there. That when you open it up, you're reminded of an empty tomb. Don't toss it aside. Because that empty tomb was full of hope and new possibility and new life that God has woven into all of creation and came real that morning. Today's focus is cultivating something new. May the power of an empty tomb and the hope and the possibilities of Jesus loose in the world create something new for you. Amen.